Debbie O'Brien, welcome to FS Jam. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> Super excited to have you. You are someone who does very similar work, I think, to what I do. So we're going to have fun getting into that. You're an advocate. You've been an advocate for both open source projects as well as companies with products. And we're going to get into a little bit of everything that you do here. So why don't we just start off by telling listeners who you are and what you do. Cool. So yeah, my name is Debbie O'Brien. You should all know me by now. No money messing. <laughs> I'm Irish, but living in Spain because, you know, the sky is bluer here. I used to work at Nuxt as a dev advocate, and now I'm working at bit, bit.dev. Basically just, I don't know, I just have fun just basically sharing cool things with the world. I think that's what our job was, is about, no, in dev advocacy is like, just do cool things and show people cool new toys that they can play with and learn from. You had just transitioned to this job recently, right? How long have you been working for a bit? I don't know even know what date it is today, but yeah, is it like six weeks? Is it even like it's, it's yeah, it's a month and a half, I think, more or less. Awesome. Yeah. How's it been going so far? It's been amazing, but it's also like been a massive change for me. Because I went from being like, and that is not saying not putting myself up there, but I went from being like almost like, you know, the top of my game in like the whole view world and knowing what I was doing and being able to build fast and live stream and do stuff to going into a world where I'm building in React and I'm like a junior developer who doesn't even know how to build a component, <laughs> making like very basic mistakes and trying to figure things out. You know, we're in TypeScript as well. So now TypeScript is thrown on top of me, plus a new product, plus a new team. It's a lot to take in. It's a lot to do. It's been fun. It's been a challenge, but it's been great fun. I'd love to get into this whole arc you've gone through. And we can start in the Nuxt world because this is, I think, where a lot of people would have first gotten to know you. This is something that I had been aware of Nuxt for a while, just looking at the front end landscape and the different things that were around. But I also listened to a lot of podcasts. And so I kept hearing you come up on you know, many of the podcasts that I listened to, you know, Jamstack Sorry. podcasts and <laughs> things like that. And it was great because... When you listen to these podcasts, you hear so many people come on who do so many different things. And there's people I find who they find something they love and they go out and talk about it and they do it so much they eventually get involved in the project. And there's people who come onto a project to go out and talk about it. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the people who are brought on to go out and talk about a thing aren't like genuine or, or passionate about it, but you can kind of feel the difference, I think, when you when you listen to people talk about this. And so hearing you talk about Nuxt, it just reminded me so much of my own journey with Redwood and how it was a tool that I genuinely used and loved and wanted to learn more about it, wanted to get involved in it, and wanted to meet the people who were doing it. So I would really love to hear just how you very, very first came in contact with Nuxt. What was like the very first way you even heard about it, found out about it, used it at all? We were trying to solve a problem in a company where we were moving towards using a modern framework because we weren't. So we were testing out every framework and kind of seeing what would work best. And Vue was very young at the time. So we started testing out Vue. And I did a conference with a meetup at the end of the conference, which demoed Vue. So I was like, got to kind of really see Vue. So I was like, great. Then we started trying to build a demo or a proof of concept for the company, but we were having problems with server-side rendering. And we couldn't get it to work. And we tried and it wasn't working and it was a nightmare. So I reached out to the guy who did the meetup, Eduardo from the Vue Router. And I kind of said to him like, hey, look, I love Vue. This is, this is an incredible framework, but I'm having problems with server-side rendering, you know, and you know, what do I do? And he's like, Debbie, just use Nuxt. I was like, okay. And, you know, that's kind of like how I then started using Nuxt and getting involved in Nuxt. And as soon as I saw like how, well, to be honest, I'm going to be very honest here. I actually didn't really like Nuxt when I first started using it. Because Nux was doing all this magic for me and I didn't understand what it was doing and I couldn't figure out why things were happening. And I was like, 
I don't like this because, you know, where is my router file? Why is all this thing happening? I can't control anything. They're, they're doing all this and I, I want control, right? Where's my Webpack config? I want to play with my Webpack config. When you start to learn Next and you really understand how it's doing what it's doing, you kind of go, actually, I don't want to play with the Webpack config. I don't want to build a router file. Let Nooks do that for me. This is actually cool. This is improving my developer experience. Pretty much from that moment, I just started to fall in love with Nuxt more. We started to use it. I changed companies at the time. And one of the things I said in the um, job interview was like, I want to use Nuxt. I want to use Vue. And they were like, well, you're going to lead the team so you can use whatever you want. It's like, great. And when you start teaching Nuxt to people and teaching Vue, how easy it is, I just found like, we can get work done very quickly. Therefore, the more I worked with Nooks, the more I loved it. And therefore, the more I just wanted to share that knowledge and contribute to it and speak at conferences and do things. And yeah, I was working at an agency at the time and I was basically advocating for Nooks in my free time because I just loved it so much. That's cool how you say you were teaching it because to me, that's also a good litmus test of you can learn a tool and find that it fits your mental style really well but you still can't really know like if that's just because it happens to fit your brain really well or if it is actually like a simple, nice abstraction for everyone. And so once you go out and start teaching it to other people and find that it gels with other people's brain styles as well, it's kind of like this confirmation of, okay, like I'm not crazy. There are other people who this also makes sense to. So I'd be curious, what was the context in which you were teaching people next? So again, I was leading teams. I was leading developers. And I was working on different teams and I needed to get them to build the products because I'm alone. I can't build everything. So I need everyone else to be able to do what I do. And we're going to work with Nuxt and we were shipping Nuxt for different clients. So I needed everyone to be onboarded to Nuxt, to know it as well as I did and to be able to just, you know, ship and deliver. And one of the interesting thing was that we had someone on our team who was half on my team and half in the marketing team. She wasn't a developer. But she was on my team for kind of like half of the time. And I wanted her in all those meetings. And she was even able to say like, yeah, no, you just, that's where your pages go. That's where your components go. That's where the, this goes. And she was almost able to like teach Nuxt, right? Without developing. She knew how Nuxt works, which means any designer or non-frontend person can come into that application and easily know where code lives and easily be able to understand it. Or if they needed to contribute to it, if it was a backend developer, for example, and I think that was like the thing that was like, you know, everyone just gets it. Everyone just understands Nuxt. And I've done a lot of calls with clients when I worked at Nuxt, where I interviewed them for, they're going to have it on the, on the website, hopefully soon, uh, showcases. And I interviewed clients and they all kind of said like, we just love how easy it is for non-developers to be able to contribute to the project, to be able to go in and you just understand where everything is and you can see it. And like the layout structure, the project structure, you know, where the, you have the components folder, the pages folder, the layouts folder. It just makes sense to people, right? And you want things to make sense, right? And thank you for humoring me with those <laughs> answers. I know you've told these stories a, a million times on other podcasts, but we have um, <laughs> just a, a few, you know, listeners here who probably don't really know you as well. So Chris here is not a Nuxt or Vue developer, but I know that he's used other similar frameworks, so I'm sure he has thoughts. Back in the day, I started with PHP, and then I shed them ways to pick up JavaScript. I first went React Native and then followed to React. My first real big question, I have friends that play around with Vue and other languages. I treat them as outsiders, personally, to never been enlightened by the React spotlight. I'm just joking. But what would you say Vue is without Nux? Because every time I hear about Vue, 
everybody always says just bundle it with nooks but <laughs> what is view without nooks what is react without gatsby and next the standard framework just a standard framework yeah just a single page application that has it gets the job done it's the code it's the it's the mother it's the base of everything right if you take view away from nooks there is no nooks right nooks needs view just like gatsby needs react you don't have pages and you don't have a router. That would be what I would say. You don't have pages or a router or anything involved with a server. That's what you lose. I think it's easier in the sense of like things are done for you to make the developer experience better so that you can develop faster. And the same with Next, right? Next is a fantastic framework if you're a React developer and you want to like just have, you know, server-side rendering or static pages and not have to worry about, you know, making your router and do code splitting and stuff because Next is going to do it all for you. Nux does it all for you if you're in the in view. And yeah, it's making life easier, I think. Yeah, so in essence, obviously a lot of our viewers are very React-centric. So what Nux is, is the wrapper around view to obviously provide things like an API level, authentication, and all these other more complex things, or not necessarily more complex things. It's just more in the middle where it's just like Gatsby. No, like authentication, like no, I mean... Nuxt, again, Nuxt is very similar to Next. So if you're a React developer and you you know about Next, and I'm sure you do. And Nuxt is inspired by Next, right? And the two projects have been kind of like going side by side. And uh, they're very, very similar. If you were to do a course on on Nuxt and you're, and you're working in Next, you're going to go, oh, yeah, I get this. Just the syntax is a little bit different. One or two things are different, but it's very, very similar concepts. And it's just about getting things done quicker and not having to deal with certain things, such as... Um, Nuxt will give you auto import of components. So you don't have to write import component from component and write that in, right? It's going to be auto imported for you once you're using it. And then it's tree shaken. So if you're not using it, you know, you don't, you're not getting that bundle. You get automatic code splitting. It does all that stuff for you for performance benefits so that you don't have to, like a PWA, you can just install a module, you get a PWA, all right? Um, search engine optimization, you can like, you can add all the head kind of stuff. You can, like you get a lot of stuff out of the box. So it means you can just, get started very quickly and develop very quickly, which is what people want, right? They just want to, they just want to get the job done. Yeah, I, I totally get that. It, it's kind of like my litmus test, see where it sits on the framework scale. We have frameworks and now we have a new stage of frameworks that are like... Meta frameworks. They're called meta frameworks. Yes, meta frameworks. I was going to use the word meta frameworks. It's what Chrome uses to to describe them because and Chrome worked very heavily with the Nux team and, and with the Next team to ensure that these meta frameworks are, are performant and, and the people are using them the right way and they're being built the right way. To make sure that they're AMP ready. Yeah, for example. <laughs> so for, for example, we see things like Blitz that is built on top of Next that obviously then adds all the authentication, uh, API level things, all the functionality to just take that application step further. So the reason I asked was, is to see how far it does go by default, because that's a really good question as in, uh, as you said. You use modules. Yeah, all the things that you do and how it's meant to speed you up, that's great. But how much stuff do I still have to do on top? You know, do I still have to define all my user authentication? For sure. I mean, out zero is, is the best, right? And in authentication, you want to use that. You, you're going to use out zero. You're not going to use Nuxt. To, to build a custom that would make sense, right? Uh, if you're going to use like a CMS that has like the UI and stuff, then you want to use something like Storyblock or Prismic. And, you know, what we do is give you a module so that you can easily integrate it. So then you can easily use it. Uh, you want to use Storybook to, you know, compose your components, et cetera, then you can use that. So 
I think Nuxt has about 150 modules and you can like just use these to improve your developer experience, right? And that brings me on to the the next question. As someone who's not a viewer, as you may say, more like a the reactor in, in this uh, audience, do you still install random packages off NPM that are, like oriented to view? But that's a really good question that I don't know the answer for because I've never used view and I've only used React where you go, I need a tooltip, React tooltip? Ah, there we go, that, that suits the job. I would answer in a way of saying, yes, we do. And what we do is you would take that and create a plugin and then you're using that, that tooltip. So you're installing it as a node module and then you're using it as a plugin in Nooks because you can't use a view NPM package, right? You got to use it through a plugin and then you use that plugin and then you've got that um, view tooltip or whatever it is that, that you wanted or the calendar or the date picker or those ones that you got code, those components you never ever want to create yourself. So, so you say that, the plugins and components are more tightly coupled in Vue than necessarily in React. As in React, you just install them randomly off an NPM, but in Vue, you have to take a few extra steps to be more No, not in, in not in Vue, in Nuxt. No, Nuxt, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I don't know how it works in Next, right? So I'm not I'm not familiar if they have a plugin system or not, but this is this is how it works in, in Nuxt. But of course, right now where I'm working is, is, is a solution to that problem in itself, in a way. Yeah, that's where my, my questions were leading. As in, I've looked a bit before and I know one of the main things it does is... React. <laughs> React, you know, you've got 20,000 components across your 20,000 projects. Put your button on bit and you can just share it between every project. That's the whole premise of it, to what I understand. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's about sharing your code, but sharing your code in a way that not only can be used on any on any repo, any code base in your organization, if you keep it private or across the world, if you make it public, right? But it's also a way for you to like see a collection of your components. Have you ever worked in a company where you're creating components and you, you get to a stage where you actually don't know what the teams have created, what you have, how to find out like who's created this before, where where is it? Being able to see everything, search for it, find it, easily see it, see the different um, compositions of how it looks, depending on like if it's primary, secondary buttons, for example, uh, seeing that the tests are passing live in the cloud or in your local dev server and seeing the code as well, because you can also see the code, seeing what dependencies and seeing the component dependency graph of what components depend on that component, right? So your card component is made of the button component plus the title component and the description component and maybe the stars component and maybe the price component, right? And you can see how it's all made up. One of the great things that Bit does is it's not just about you sharing those components, but about you working with the components in a better way. For example, imagine me and you are working together, right? And we're working in React because <laughs> that's what we're doing. So we build this React component, we build this card component and I've put it up in the cloud and then I don't know, you found a mistake in my work because I'm not a very good React developer, so I make mistakes and you see it and you go, oh, I'm going to fix that. Well, you can just import it. Obviously, like we have, you know, user permissions because we're working on the same team. So you're going to import my component and you're going to fix that component. This is in your workspace, right? So you don't have to go to my repo. You don't have to go to another repo. You're importing it into your workspace where you're working. You make that change and then you export it and you create version two or whatever version. And then basically when I come in the next day to work, I've got this new version that you've made better and this one is going to be used in, you know, all the applications. And then you can just eject that out of your workspace because you don't want it to live there, right? You just eject it out and it's gone and it's not in your way anymore. 
And that's cool, right? That's something like what we used to do in the past where we copied and pasted and modified, only we kept that copy, paste and modified version there for life, right? I think the easiest thing that I, I've done in the past month that very much notifies me of why things like bit and more storybook driven development can be important is when you decide and you notice that there's loads of buttons in the application and they're not all the same and you go, I think I'm just going to make one PR that fixes every button into the same structure. You start going through it and you're like, the PR turns out that you've like changed 80 buttons through the application. And it's just like, how how were these not all the same? It's like, because you never defined a default component in the first place. And, and then you had different use cases in different areas, you know, so that means different props, different colors, different blah, 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 you know. It just gets so easy to get lost sometimes. Something that always obviously sticks with me, you get it working and then you refactor. And a lot of people, and this is not even a bad thing, get it working and never refactor. So they get it working, they put a button in there because it doesn't need to be the official component. Or it suits their need at that moment. They think in one thing. Exactly. And then it's never refactored into the standard way. And look, when I said there's 60 points in the application, 80% of the application was wrote by me. So, <laughs> you know, I'm my own devil here, devil's yeah. advocate. So it totally makes sense. And I think what really interests me about BIT and that whole strategy is it almost seems like a replacement for something like Storybook. But actually, it's not a replacement for Storybook. It's a replacement for a god-awful monorepo situation where you have a component library and that is really bad. I've, I've tried it multiple times and cried my way out of it and gave up multiple times to the point is where I've had the same button in two different projects just because I didn't want to deal with a monorepo because they made me cry. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because Bit allows you to work in a monorepo if you want, right? You can have all your code there, but the great thing about Bit is you can do what you want. You can work how you want to work. Like you could literally like put all your components in one repo, you could have them in 20 repos and then just export them all to the one kind of cloud and stuff. You have to work how best fits your needs as a team. And if that means all working on one monorepo, perfect. If that means separating out that, you know, you work on one, Chris, I work on another, you work on another, Anthony. We all work on different repos, and but we all export it to the one organization. Whatever works, it doesn't really matter because you, you can choose which works for you. But at the end of the day, we can all use those components. We can all see those components. We can all use them. We can version them. If you break it and I still don't want to, I don't like your, your version because it's just crazy and I still want to use my version one, I can still just remain in version one for the rest of my life. That stays there and version two can be for everyone else. But if you want to just update it, and use it across the projects. Everyone updates to version two and happy days. My next big question for something obviously like bit in that is that, as you said, it's not just having the component, you allow the component to be installed through Yarn or NPM. You obviously provide the installment command to make it easy. And then you obviously import it if you're talking about React. And I think what's really cool about that is, as you said, about different versions. So say you have one project in Next, a different project in Redwood, but they both need the same button. And I assume, and this is where my, my golden goose question is, is that all your styles and things like logic that you choose to bundle are already pre-compiled. So it doesn't matter what they were made with, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, but it's not how you're thinking things at all. So if you're going to build a component with SAS, you're not getting a rendered component with the SAS converted to CSS and ready to use. That's not what's happening. You're getting that component that's going to depend on SAS. And if you're going to use it in your application, then you're going to have to add to your application the Webpack SAS loader to be able to use that component. So we don't think about... You don't compile the components. No, we leave that to you guys to figure out where you want to use it and how you want to use it. Chris doesn't like hearing that something's left to him. That's that's not good. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring up the perfect example why it's a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because as you said, you leave it up to you. Do whatever you want. But it's a bad thing if you use two projects, one's using post CSS seven and one's using post CSS eight where they're breaking and they complain at you all day. Anthony's laughing. No, and, and that's why you should you should document your component and you should make sure that, you know, like this is a component that uses what it uses, right? You can see what's dependent on it. You can see the dependency. So you know in your project what versions it depends on. For example, Tailwind, right? Maybe you have a component that uses Tailwind, a component that uses SAS, one that uses post-CSS. Are you really going to mix all those into your application and use three different CSS frameworks or whatever, right? You have to decide if you're going to use that. And does that make sense in your application? Because if it does, then go ahead and do that. And then you, you know, that's going to be compiled on your end and it's going to be slower because you've got to compile SAS and everything. Maybe that works for you because maybe that makes sense, but that's up to the person who's building that application because we're thinking about components and we're thinking about that component is built this way to be used this way. And yeah, we don't want to put Webpack in there and start doing build times. It's start doing all that kind of stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's super interesting because it then backs up the question. That's a really hard one in JS and CSS. You may, maybe never touched it or maybe have. Played around a little. Is <laughs> the whole thing of, so say you're doing a component line, I mean, you choose to use CSS and JS. You can run across the problem where your component gets piped to your application, but the styles have not even been compiled because the JS and CSS doesn't compile in the cert in the component library, it compiles in your your local repository, but your local repository doesn't know to compile your component library. So what you end up having to do is run a preprocessor like rollup to compile the JSS into CSS in your component library before it gets piped to your application. This is why these kind of things get really complex because they need a very specific tooling that is still really hard to come across. For example, some people do it, twin.micro. They have a repository where they explain like, here's your subcomponents that use twin.micro. That's based upon styled components. So you got exactly the same problems in styled components or emotion. But it's this whole thing of like, okay, when you say you just want a component library where you can share two things between each other, it gets really complex really fast because of CSS. It's one of these really hard things that I think we're still yet to fully solve, making everything not interdependable, but as you want to say, is you just import the one thing in the tree of dependencies hidden with things like component libraries. That, that's a lot to go back over, yeah, right? That's me rambling <laughs> about all my problems with component libraries. Let me see. And, and again, I haven't worked enough in the React ecosystem to play around with 
so many different styling, you know, ways of doing things, right? The way I can answer this right now to the knowledge I have, and then if I do it wrong, I'll be given out to, right? <laughs> Just keep in mind, they're all equally obnoxious. No, you, you have a lot of choices, right? That's for sure. Style components, SAS, um, uh, CSS and JS, et cetera, right? But let's take SAS as an example, or Tailwind as an example, right? Both of those as an example. What you need to have in the actual component itself, because that component needs to work in isolation, right? That component is going to work with SAS if it's a SAS built component. You're going to be able to see it because it's using SAS and it's got the compiler is set up to have SAS, to have Babel, to have React, to have whatever, right? But it's it's a dependency that doesn't get shipped with that component, but that component will expect it. When you go to consume that component, you now have to install that dependency into your application or wherever you're going to use this component. That's basically a good point because you can see what's being used. So testing library, right? If you're going to go into testing, imagine we were like to ship that component with all those dependencies, every single component would just be like a massive... Balloon. It's a, it's a balloon tree. It's, but it's a really hard problem. It's like, okay, we choose to compile it down to the CSS. So no matter what pre-compilers you need on CSS, it's all done. But then it's kind of like, but that's a super hard problem sometimes, even with, you know, CSS, SAS. I've not used SAS for some time, but it's always stuck with me. The nesting was the reason to use it for me. But what about design systems and things like you want to be able to make that component be able to be consumed inside and have a theme provider that allows it to be modified. And if it's already like in a dist folder and it's completely compiled, right, you, you have no that's it, that that button is green for the rest of your life and a story. Whereas if, if it's not compiled, you can then put it somewhere, put a theme provider on top of it and decide that that button is going to be blue because your theme consists of that or whatever, right? I, I, t- I totally get it. And, and, and it's, it's, you know, it's that thing of, okay, if you had a project that didn't have PostCSS, but your component library now requires PostCSS, then you go install PostCSS into that client. It totally makes sense in the grand scale of things to keep things simple. It's just a tiny thing that I wish could be solved, but it would probably get solved and I would go, that's not what I meant. So back to the old way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Remember, when you're building your components, you always have to think about the fact that this component is going to be used in like an endless and infinitive way that you want it to be used in, right? Obviously, you're building that component as an API. You're deciding that it's going to, you're going to be able to change the background color, the the main color, you're going to be able to add an icon in there, perhaps it's a button, right? You're going to be able to do this to it. And that's as far as it goes, right? So you control that. But you also think about the possibility of where that button is going to be used, who's going to be using it, and you build it for a bigger audience. Like you said earlier, right? You build that for you just for right now, not thinking about the, the future of that component. And this kind of way of building is making you think about who is going to consume it, and what they're going to be able to do with your button and how they're going to be able to, I'm using a button example. And, and in my company, they hate me using a button example. I'm like, it's not just always about a button, right? Well, we're building buttons. So yeah. that's why it <laughs> <Good>. resonates. <laughs> go, go with my second favorite, a toggle, a drop down, or an avatar. Lovely, lovely. Let, well, you know, and, and this is a, another thing that remember that would be you're not just sharing UI components, right? You're also sharing hooks, right? So you can share a React hook. You can share node modules. You can share anything, right? So you can share a serverless function and reuse that across your applications. And that's where it's powerful. So, and this is where, you know, people see sometimes bit and they think storybook because they're seeing UI, but 
we're building demos with like we bit built bit with bit and and as like there's all aspects there's there's hooks there's there's all sorts so it's not just ui yeah i wanted to get into this actually this is a really good segue because chris brought up storybook i brought up storybook we, we were talking a little bit before the show and and storybook is great right you can use storybook a bit right so don't get me wrong i'm not saying like we've, we're taking storybook is great if you want to keep using it we integrate very easily uh with storybook and you can keep using it it's great but like yeah. well, i think it's so funny like going back to like the, all the parallels i see between what you do what i do our, our backgrounds like I, it's the same thing be like people would constantly ask like what is red is redwood like this and there would be yeah. a, a this and it would never be the thing that was actually most similar to redwood to me the thing that's most similar to redwood is amplify app sync and i've never ever been asked a question about that from anyone in a redwood talk and i find that so strange everyone will ask about next and blitz and all these other things so i'm curious and I know some people don't really like talking about competitors, so I'm not putting you too much on the spot, but do you think there is something similar to Bit out there that you would want to compare to it, that you do actually think if you wanted someone to get a mental model to understand it, you could point to something else, or is there nothing else? You know, I can't believe that we're in the year we're in and that there is not a tool like Bit because I've had the problem and tried to solve the problem in many companies. I've created a Bit mini version, right? I've created that component library where we're sharing it, but I couldn't figure out how do you import one component. We end up having to NPM package everything. And, you know, NPM package is different to what Bit have built, right? Because you've got, it's just completely different. So the whole way of being able to see the components, the dependency graph, the tests, all this, these features are something I wasn't able to build, right? And this company has been working for seven years on building this. And the first version has been out for many years. The new version is in public beta and obviously like it's a much more improved because they've even learned from the first product that they built that this doesn't work exactly how they want it to work. So they, they end, end up having to build on top of that and they built bit with bit, right? Which is crazy. And I'm doing the same right now in work and it's like, it's actually really hard to build with your own product and make sure, and like we are the ones that use our own product. So if it doesn't work for us, like I was building the other day where we put in, there's no tests, right? You have no tests. so instead of having an empty like card that kind of says, you have no tests, yay. We put something really cool in there that says, to create tests, all you need to do is this, and here's how to do it, and then you've got a test, right? Because then you just like copy that code, even copy code snippet, put in a test folder, you've got a test up and running, then you'd be more inclined to write a test, right? Rather than say, here's a link to the documentation, but you're never gonna read because you don't read because you're a developer. So like, you know, we're building that, and like, I couldn't get my head around it. I was like, I need like, Markdown, this should be Markdown. I should be able to just put Markdown in here into this React component. Why can I not do this? And then they just went and built a Markdown aspect so we can now use Markdown inside the React component. And, and now it all just works exactly how I want it to. So we build the features as we're building bit and that makes it easier for us to make sure it's built how developers want it to be built because it's built how we want it to be built as well and how we're using it. And then as more people use it, we learn from other developers and what features are missing to improve it on. But back to your question, if you find something like it, let me know, because I have never in all the years I've been working in, in front end and I've suffered quite a lot in many companies and I've never, ever seen something like it. And like, I can just tell you the things that are coming out in bit, it's like, it's going to blow your mind. Like, seriously, it's insane. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it's a bit of a catch 22 to be in because you are going to have a hard time explaining it to people. But if it is a truly unique thing, like that's a real value prop, you know, that means you can actually say, I can offer you something that no one else can. 
the solution to your problem. That's basically what we're offering, a solution to all your problems <laughs> to help you work in a better way. You choose the framework. You want to work in React, work in React. You want to work in Vue, work in Vue. But you're able to collaborate and work better. I roughly could say right, come on, two projects, <laughs> two products that I like bit when put together. Okay. Verdasio and Chromatic. Obviously, there's a lot of manual gluing to do there. Chromatic is the, have you never? I've heard of Chromatic because it's connected to Storybook, but I haven't heard of the first one you mentioned. So Chromatic is like, we host your Storybook on the internet. Is that what you think it is? Is that, is that as far as you got? No, wait, 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 wait. wait. He only said it was part of it. He said it was I, part of it. I only said it was part of it, right? <laughs> we host your Storybook on the internet. And Verdasio is a really cool product that not many people know about. It's not really of a product, it's more of a project. Redwood does use it. It's an NPM proxy registry. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I can kind of assume what that means, but that's interesting. <laughs> so say you want to host some NPM packages, but you do not want them to be on the World Wide Web, such as NPM. So you host them in your own NPM repository that you can then import into your NPM projects. If you put them two things together, it, it kind of is a little, but there's a big thing here that don't worry, don't worry. It requires a lot of probably manual time, janking things around and installing a lot of duct tape. What you're saying is you've got the golden path to me. Well, I'm just saying, I'm sure these products are great and I'm, I just opened it there and I'm like, yeah, um, a private package manager. Is that the solution to your problem? As a, cause a package manager, you're going to have to like import that package, right? Now you want to change that, that version. Like I told you earlier, we're going to collaborate together. Where's the collaboration in here? Can we collaborate together using Verdaccio? Is, is, are you going to import that and make that change and export a version? You're selling me a business proposition. I just sold you a developer proposition and them two things are very different. No, I see as a developer, if we're going to work together. You're going to help me and you're going to fix my React problems when I have problems. And I would hope that you would do that because we are a team and I want to work as a team as a developer. That's just me. I like teamwork. No, no, no. You work I'm on your saying... own. You build your 25 well, that's buttons. That's a question of whether business is zero sum or not is what we're getting at here. <laughs> yeah. No, don't worry. I, I'm not saying bit is bad because I've looked at it a few times. I've just never integrated it with myself. I'm not saying Verdacio isn't the solution to these things because obviously then you've got to also host it on docker and manage your server by yourself and if that goes down your whole team will kill you and there'll be downtime when you could just point a figure at a different company to fix your problems yeah well you you could host bit on your own as well if you want if, you, if you're a developer that likes you know doing all that kind of stuff you can host it on yourself yeah i like to point my finger at other people when things go down <laughs> Chris loves Harris's own stuff on PM2, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you say that. You say that, Anthony. The other day, I woke up one morning, my whole server was deleted off PM2. All gone. I'm like, what? Why? Dunno. Couldn't ever get to the bottom of it. Just had to reinstall PM2 and it started working again, but... Them kind of and, things happen and, and one thing I one thing I want to say as well is remember, like Bit is open source, right? All those components that are created that are not enterprise are open source. So, you know, you can choose to use it and 
and you can choose to not and you can you can like leverage other people's amazing work which is great because i love stealing people's work because i'm so bad at like building stuff so <laughs> i like and designing so sometimes you know someone's going to build a really cool component and save me a lot of work i'm quite happy to use their their code and i think that's that's one of the things i like about it the most being open source to me is really really important and being able to like give back to the community it's definitely a, a big thing with us so hit the right note with that one. It sounds like it's a really interesting product, a really interesting company. I'll definitely want to check it out. There's just a couple more things I want to, to get into with the time we had left. You wrote a really cool article about the online working culture of what yeah. it is like. And <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I, I read it and it made me think of the panopticon. I don't know if you're what? familiar with the term panopticon. <laughs> so a panopticon is a fancy term for an environment where everyone sees everything. It's like a big donut and everyone lives on the outside looking in. So everyone can see everything at all times. And so your article is about how you're always going to be in a different room in Discord. No matter what your kind of work you're doing, you'll be in this room. And even if you're on like break time, you'll be in a different room. I appreciate what it was going for, but it seemed like something that I personally would not be very much into. But so I'd be curious to get your take on it and kind of why you actually enjoy because you you de genuinely sound like you do enjoy this this kind of setup that your company has and, and i believe that so i'd like to kind of hear you explain why why you think this is cool why it's not this weird like panopticon kind of thing okay so i came from working in companies very much in office kind of you know meeting rooms are here you see what's going on when you're working with a lot of teams it's very easy you can hear what's going on you can jump into a call into a session into whatever pair programming everything was very easy I only ever did remote work from Nooks. That was the first company that was remote for me. And uh, it was very different because like, you know, Nooks were learning as well and they had just started as a company. So they were kind of figuring things out. We went through so many platforms and bit, it took them a while as well to get to where they are because they were the company before who had to test things out and become remote because of the situation. So like, I mean, it's not like what you're thinking in the fact that like, if I go to the toilet, I've got to put in, in and go to a different room because I'm going to the break room to go to the toilet. Like, it's not like that at all, right? But like right now I have Discord open. I am in the recording studio, right? What does that mean? It means if anyone wants me right now, they're not going to get me because I'm recording and recording means Debbie's attention on you is zero. She's got Slack notifications turned off. She's not going to get on WhatsApp. You don't call her because you're just not going to get her. But if there's something very urgent, she will finish that recording and maybe read that Slack message and maybe answer whatever it is, if it's, if it's an urgent thing, right? Now, I might just like switch off and go to bed. You know, that's, that's my choice, right? But I can also see who's in the office. So I can see right now which people are in which room. So if I finish this call and I kind of went, you know, that Krista one, he asked me that really interesting question on, on CSS and JX, and I'd love to know an answer. Well, I know who's available to actually ask them and get that information because I know who's working. And I know who's not. So maybe if I see, oh, no one's in the office right now that I could talk to about that specific topic. Well, I'll slack them or I'll wait till tomorrow because I'm going to forget tomorrow, right? So it's more about being able to collaborate with teams better as opposed to being watched or whatever like that. Yeah, I think that was great. Yeah, because that for you, it's the way you're describing it is it's giving you control over how people perceive like what you're doing and, and when you're available, what you're actually doing with your work hours or versus like, just kind of responding to messages whenever, you know? So it's, it's kind of structuring it more so. It's a, Yeah, it's about being able to like collaborate better and, and know when you can jump on a call with someone or not, or kind of, and not even jump on a call. Sometimes I'll jump in a room and say, this isn't working, I've got this problem. And they're like, oh, share your screen, bang. And in five minutes it's fixed. And you're like, great, and you can carry on with your day. 
And that's what it's about. Not stopping people and having to organize a meeting just so you can get something done. It's about working quicker and having team collaboration, being able to get help when you want to, ask a question when you want to. And it's really fun and engaging because you hear voices all day. You have people to talk to. And sometimes I might jump in and go, hey, how was your weekend? And you have that kind of fun thing that is missing from the life that we live in these days, right? You want to be able to just talk to people sometimes. And then, yeah, it works great for us. It really does. That was cool. I thought that was a very good defense of the, the work. <laughs> I've been defending this whole podcast. I didn't know I was coming on the Defenders podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're very critical here. So. <laughs> but it's only to pull out the best questions. And, and that's not a bad thing. If you don't sometimes ask critical questions, you don't find the hardest answers. Well, that's very true. We know you can take it. We know you can take it, Debbie. (laughs) I'm so glad you didn't send the questions beforehand. (laughs) Yeah, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we kind of close out here? Anything you're excited about that you want to put out into the world? Obviously, like I'm going to say I'm excited about it and that's, that's what I'm hearing. But no, seriously, I really like I'm excited that when it comes out of better, it's we're going to be doing a lot more kind of like, you know, YouTube videos and getting it out there because it's still not finished. Right. So that's why we've held back on a lot of the video content and stuff. It's still it's not when you say better, people say, oh, will I use it? Will I not use it? Right. Because it's in better. But in developers life, better is like, yeah, go for it. But it's not finished and it's just going to get better. I think it should be called better than better instead of better. Right. So we're continuously shipping new features like this week we shipped um which I built actually, the generator for like, you know, generator React hooks, so you get all the files you need to be able to build that. Generator React component, you get all the files you need with, with a dummy test and everything. So literally you can just modify and you can build quicker. And all these tools, another one I'm creating is a bit new demo and you get a whole demo project, right? Instead of having to get clone because I hate going get clone and you clone something. I just want it in my code base. And then it, when I don't want it, I just want to remove it because I don't want to use that component because that was a terrible component that Debbie created, right? But I want to use the use hooks one or the counter hook or whatever. It's really cool to be able to, to work in a company where I get to actually build the developer experience tools and listen to developers and what they want. We have a Slack channel. We're very active in that channel. Any message that gets answered all the time by us, we look through it. People suggest things and we basically say, oh, that's a great idea. Let's implement this. Let's you know put it on our list at least of features to implement. We have a team that worked very, very fast, which is incredible because when you're in beta, you're able to just ship. We build and ship every day. Every day there's a new version, right? So if you're working with Bit, seriously, like upgrade every day because you're going to get the cool things. And that's much better than waiting for the project to be finished and then saying, okay, here's our lovely cool tool and it's all finished and you can all use it now. I much prefer this kind of like, here's this cool tool, we're in beta and it's just going to get better and better and better. But have fun and tell us if something breaks and we'll fix it or tell us if something is missing and we'll add it. And, and that's that's a really cool place to be in. I think you'll understand that, Anthony, more than maybe Chris, but yeah, that's a cool place to be in as a developer advocate that you can actually be part of the journey of the growth of the product and help drive it forward into the direction that you think it should go based on what developers want. Chris agrees. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not gonna say that, no, don't worry. Don't, don't worry. My, my last question, and I, I love shouting out the air, my my guess is that your nationality is Irish and you live in Spain due to the EU freedom of movement. Well, I live here because the sun shines. Yeah, I, I love Spain. Yeah, and the beer's cheap. <laughs> we've lost our rights. Yeah, you're not allowed that. here anymore. <laughs> no, we're not allowed. We just assume that everyone will talk English around us in but Spain. You could probably get an Irish passport and be Irish. 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. There's ways around everything. <laughs> what what is it? Is it um, Guinness. Guinness? Guinness. There we go. I'm sure you have Irish family somewhere down the line. Probably. I actually do. I'm is a quarter it? Irish, actually. So. <laughs> my partner is Irish. There you go. What's really funny is my partner is Irish descent and I'm Scottish descent. Oh, well, then you're a perfect match. Our names, I have the, the Scottish word for the name and she has the Irish word for the name. So we have almost <laughs> identical surnames. It's crazy. Brilliant. I uh, know that's it for me. Um, thank you for coming on this podcast. It was, I have to say, it was more fun than I imagined, more challenging than I imagined. <laughs> but it was, it was good. Yeah, you've been a really great sport. We appreciate you answering all our questions. We, we try to go deep on this this podcast. We think that the, that's where the listeners really get a lot of value. And you have a lot to say about what you're working on. So we're, we're happy to, to you know, get the opportunity to hear how you think about these things. And you're an advocate, so it's good to give you the chance to really advocate for what you're doing. And then why don't you also let our listeners know how they can get in contact with you, like what your, your socials are. Yeah, so I live on Twitter, like practically. Um, <laughs> so Twitter is the best and it's at Debs underscore O'Brien. And I would say like, just reach out on Twitter for anything. My DMs are always open. So just ask a question. I'm also on LinkedIn as well, Debbie O'Brien. And my website is Debbie.codes. So if you go to that in the in the footer, you're going to find the links to my YouTube channel, to my Twitch channel. Uh, YouTube does have a lot of Nook stuff. So if you want to learn Nooks, that's the place to go. And Twitch, I'm doing a lot of React stuff on Twitch because Twitch is great for like just going on and making mistakes and trying to figure things out and, you know, having everyone see that you actually have no idea what you're doing and uh, you can get away with that on Twitch. And I really love that. So that's what, that's where I'm hanging out these days as well. So if you don't remember that, Debbie.codes, you'll find everything there. But yeah, do come and hang out and follow me and help me build React applications because I need a lot of help building React components, etc. <laughs> I'm learning hooks right now. <laughs> I'll definitely hop in and just just fair warning though if I do the first thing I'm gonna say is you should just install Redwood and start using that so well actually the other day I was I was like on Twitch live streaming how I was building in the core of bit <laughs> and how I was like trying to I was doing my task and I couldn't figure it out and I'm like in the core of bit I'm gonna, I'm gonna break bit right now because I'm like doing this and it's really fun I think a lot of people don't share their internals enough. And I'm like, just just share what you're doing and let people watch it. And if they don't want to watch it, don't have to. It's Twitch, right? So just, you know. But yeah, come and watch me have fun. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. Have a good one. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you so much. You're cool. Great <laughs> <laughs>